startup companies need to demonstrate exponential growth. But that's really hard to do, especially if traditional advertising channels slam their door in your face. And it's even harder if you're in a sector that's riddled by stigmas that no one wants to talk about, like sexual health. As a healthcare startup, how do you navigate these constraints to get your message out and help people access vital healthcare services? On the show today is James Sneddon, co-founder of Stigma Health. And in this episode, we talk about how Stigma Health have managed to grow exponentially in the last 12 months, all while bootstrapping their business. We talk about strategies that Stigma Health employed to tackle the taboos around sexual health head-on, and we reflect on the lessons learned from navigating an advertising ban on Tinder and how they turn challenges into opportunities. Collaboration starts with the conversation, Team Health Tech. Let's make it happen. This is Talking Health Tech with me, Peter Birch, featuring content and community about technology in healthcare. Between now and the end of June, we're conducting the 2024 Talking Health Tech audience survey. This helps us prioritize content, hone in key messages, and refine the show to make it even better. We also want to understand who the biggest cohorts of our audience are. So I'd love for you to take five or 10 minutes to have your say and complete the survey. Everyone who completes it goes in the draw to win a share of $1,000 worth of THT Plus membership credits to put towards a membership for yourself as an individual or to help get the word out about your company. The link to complete the survey is in the show notes of this episode or just go to talkinghealthtech.com slash survey. Hey James, great to have you back on Talking Health Tech. It's been almost a year since your last episode with Pete and you caught up on Stigma Health, Prep Health and you just launched Roid Safe. So to refresh our listeners and welcome you back on the show, can you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? I'm James from Hyphen Health Group. We run three online niche clinics, mostly focused around pathology referrals and sexual health. And we've also launched blood testing in the last 12 months for steroid harm minimization called roidsafe.com. So we've got Stigma Health, Prep Health and Roidsafe. It's been massive 12 months. So I finally got to meet Pete in person too. And I've actually bumped into him, I think, two or three times since this year, the last 12 months after knowing him for eight years and not seeing him in person ever. Oh, wow. Well, I'll be sure to pass that on to him. He'll be stoked. Yeah. So how do you manage to do three businesses? You've launched another one 12 months ago. Like, How do you keep everything floating along? It sounds like it would just be hectic days. You just keep swimming, right? You just got to keep going and going and going. But the last 12 months has been really transformative for us in terms of the team's gone from four of us to closer to 15 now, maybe 20 some days of contractors and projects going on, including we've got a dedicated practice manager starting now and a admin team supporting her, all working remotely. We've got several doctors up the East Coast. And then all these people are bringing their skills and experience to make it running a lot easier for me. So I've got that support like it's just getting and from there it's just going strength to strength so you finally got the team and the resources to support it yeah wow and it needs to be mentioned you've managed to achieve all of this and have this incredible growth as a bootstrapped company can you tell us a little bit more about that the challenges and how you've managed to overcome and navigate this when also experiencing such rapid growth when you start from nothing the rapid growth from eight years ago was quite it was quite manageable as a part-time job definitely 
in bootstrapping though, you're definitely hamstrung, but the business has been able to develop as my me and my co-founder, Dr. Mitchell Tanner's skills have developed too. So it's not like going away from us. And then we've been able to work and be ahead. We introduced our product market fit. We'd like to think our first rendition of it anyway. We've definitely got a better view of product market fit now too. But we hit, introduced that right before COVID with our instant referral service. And it was just the perfect timing for telehealth then. So we went from 60 or 70 new patients a month to 300 patients a new month. Then COVID hit and it's now a couple of thousand patients a month. Uh, we're adding on boards. So doing, yeah, SDI testing. So exponential growth curve really does follow a long flat line before it starts to, the gradient starts to really increase. So where we are now, the doubling our business within 12 months, actually tripling it in the last 12 months, we've been able to build that base along over time. I guess focusing on profitability and user experience just within our resources, you know, it's not just about acquisition. It's about, we you know, every customer had to pay for their own marketing, had to pay for their own experience. And then when they return, it's just even better. And then huge part of our growth is now word of mouth, which is the nature of sexual relations, really. It involves more than one person most of the time. Well, probably not most of the time, but yeah. I can imagine. So you've been bootstrapped. Now that you're profitable, you're growing, you've tripled in the last 12 months. Is there opportunity to seek some more funding or to grow further or you want to stick with the bootstraps and keep plotting your own course? Yeah, the grass is always greener on the other side. So we're definitely interested in backing and support. At the same time, we've managed to find it through like strong clinical governance being reputable what we do. And we've now got a great JV going with Sonic Health Pathology, Australia's biggest pathology provider. It's going to really improve the way our delivery happens and turnaround for patients. So we managed to get that sort of support without dollars. And that comes from AVS earning the reputation and being there. But yeah, the last 12 months we did start exploring investment because we thought even though the, those doors were shutting for everyone else, they were, the Pemba partners put out a good article on it's now the time to invest in camels, not unicorns. And you know, as a survivor, we've been a long way between water and holes. We're, we're definitely a camel. So we did have some interest this year from, and we've got some good conversations with VCs, which is really good. And they've been really supportive, but it's like, we're not quite ready to tap that yet. We're going to maximize. And the other side of it is the valuations they're giving at the moment suck. But even if they are realistic, I don't want realistic. We are quite happy doing what we're doing now. Like just... It was a constant resource allocation battle. I spent most of this year looking at thinking we need to be looking at channel discovery and just starting to burn that free cash flow on advertising, trying to find out what works, what doesn't. And we know our main channels. We know what's driving our traffic. I thought I needed more. I needed more. But realistically, as soon as we started to scale again, I started to identify problems in our systems that I didn't think would happen until we got to 10 million turnover. So we've got to fix them now to get to the 10 million turnover. So that constant resource allocation is just, part of the problem with bootstrapping, but it's also making a really efficient, lean organization. So there's benefits to both. I mean, I haven't seen the benefits of investment other than we did. I do have to say thank you to our, we got received 140 grand of angel investment back in 2021. And those investors were amazing, but really it didn't touch the sides with what others have been receiving or what we could do. It's funny how I really thought 140 grand could go really far and it really doesn't <laughs> when you're building a business. Yeah. yeah, I imagine it gets sucked up very quickly. Especially, yeah, you become too generous, too quick to hire, too just, I made a lot of mistakes with it. So it was actually, it got, did get us to break even in profitability though. Like I said, did get us to that point. 
and those mistakes to make. It was a good amount of money to make those mistakes with. Now, yeah. that could be way too much equity too. Yeah, yeah. No, amazing. I guess there's always lots of lessons learned in failure and being able to grow and scale with that and implement those changes and those lessons only make you a stronger company and in essence, doesn't it? That's exactly how we feel now. Like we're really, we are really confident in our space. We feel like we are the market leader. We know we're doing more testing than anyone else online, especially. And yeah, we've, we're forging these big, strong relationships probably from being a stronger business. So it just takes more, I wouldn't say more effort, actually. I think if you've got investment, you're probably burning the candle on both ends. The Talking Health Tech podcast has evolved a lot over the years, all based on audience feedback. Now I need your help. Yes, you to shape the future of this show. Between now and the end of June, we're running our biggest campaign to date in order to understand what makes the global healthcare ecosystem tick. Last time we ran our Talking Health Tech audience survey, we learnt 40% of our audience are clinicians, 77% of our audience tune in for professional development and market awareness, 8% of people listen to Talking Health Tech for competitor profiling, and only 2% of people listen to the podcast to fall asleep. And this time around, I can't wait to find out about your preferences for audio versus video content, which topics we should dive into more, preferences for hosts and formats and geographical reach and so much more. And don't worry, we'll be sharing all the insights once all the responses are collected as well. So if you're a supporter of Talking Health Tech and you can spare five or 10 minutes, please complete our 2024 audience survey. And to say thanks for your input, everyone who completes the survey goes into the draw to win a share of $1,000 worth of credits towards THT Plus membership. Go to talkinghealthtech.com slash survey or the links in the show notes of this episode as well. Broadly speaking, how does Stigma Health tackle the sexual health taboos? We began this journey as looking to be an Uber for doctors because I just wanted, I didn't want to go wait for a doctor, but then we found that doctors don't really want to be on demand. So transitioning away... This is my tangent, sorry, to get to the answer. But we identified early that sexual health, the doctors, the patients aren't talking to the doctors about it, or they're not having a good experience when they do. And doctors don't talk to patients about it. Sorry to any doctors listening, but like it's just, you know, everyone under 29 should be getting asked, do you need an STI test? And I was never asked. And I'm not going to name my doctors here though, but it's just happening. And then they're too busy too. You're going to see them for something else. They can't. They're working to restraints that and demand and they're not asking that additional questions. And we just found that doing it by, we started solely asynchronously for the first eight years and it was what people wanted. They quickly fill out a form. They don't put too much personal information down, just enough to get tests they need for asymptomatic testing. And it's been really well received. Like it's just the convenience of no appointments. You walk in any pathology company in Australia. Tackling the taboos is just, yeah, removing those barriers. And we've always kept our costs down. Unfortunately, there's no Medicare funding for asynchronous healthcare, which is understandable, but we've, where our testing is covered because it's doctor-referred. Um, so we do get to enjoy some benefit for our customers. Keeping costs down, having the ability to have the conversation without having the conversation, just removing barriers is how we're attacking that stigma, really. And then we're talking about it too. And it's really interesting, like even... I enjoyed my rugby union silly Sunday last weekend and found one of the boys was just openly telling all the other boys who use that service. And I think that's just such a change from eight years ago. It's just becoming acceptable. So I guess we're tackling it, but it's just coming. Sex positivity is just becoming more normal. And probably thanks to services like ours or thanks to even services like Tinder. James, you don't back down from a challenge. I've learned from listening to your previous 
episodes and what we're about to talk about, from raffling your pub to get your business off the ground to now hacking your way around an advertising ban. Can you tell me your latest challenge and how that played out? Just thinking out of the box and this, we've had this challenge for a while, like we want to advertise to where people are connecting or looking for relationships. So we've always wanted to advertise on Tinder. Five years ago, broached the subject with them, but they wouldn't have a bar of it. They said they have nothing to do with sexual relations. And we ended up, I ended up sharing the email with Sydney Morning Herald and getting on page two, which was great at the time. And then five years later, I touched base with them again and they seem to have forgotten, which is good. But at the same time, they tell us that Tinder doesn't want to be seen as a hookup app. And so they won't allow advertising of sexual health on their service. So it's probably a bit late for their reputation they're trying to save, but they won't let us advertise on there. And there's a whole PR campaign that I was starting at the start of the year about rebranding us away from hookup app. But anyway, that's their battle they're choosing to fight. And unfortunately, we couldn't promote sexual health. Probably the perfect platform. And nearly all dating sites are the same. The only one that's really sexually responsible is Grindr. For Tinder, we want to reach the majority of the audience. I think at one stage, 15% of the Australian population was on Tinder. They're all the perfect demographic. So we've launched an app, Stigma Health app, where we can advertise in the app store when people search for dating apps. And it's been really low cost customer acquisition. And it's good to see because it really destroyed my hypothesis. Like when we started apps for everyone's doing apps for everything, but I was like, no one ever wants a sexual health app to finally like swallow my pride and give it a crack and then see it work. is just like, yeah, you know what? I was wrong and it's working. It's a great little growth hack. And yeah, part of the inspiration also came from another dating app, Hinged, with their slogan, designed to be deleted. I was like, that's just right. And this is how I thought of the idea recently too, was I was on the app store myself. I'm constantly downloading and deleting Instagram because like I just get trapped in that. Yeah. I just go down the loop and TikTok's the same. I just delete, design, download, delete. Yeah. I'm looking for Instagram and it always keeps offering me Tinder. So I'm like, well, they can do that. But I mean, how many Instagram people want Tinder? But everyone on Tinder should probably get an SCI test. So it's a pretty, really good strategy so far. But we're just trying to work out that product market fix, fit there for the app and get the data and work out what works, see what the value is. I, I suspect the hypothesis there is that those customers are going to be quite high value, like frequent, loyal users once they see the service. So, yeah, that's our story of getting around Tinder's little advertising ban. Yeah, I love it. And it is the perfect place. All dating apps are the perfect place to be talking about sexual health. And the fact that they're not willing to embrace that and keep safety at the forefront is a shame. But look at you go. Yeah, they would be the perfect platform even for information. And so Grindr do it really well. Like they list HIV status, they list most recent tests, they list. So it's just like, all dating apps should consider it. Like it's not taboo. It's like we need to, they need to take their responsibility, especially if they've had some bad run-ins over the years. They need to accept they are a hookup app and that they can do it safely. So what other channels have you found success in getting the message out? Our biggest channel driver is the, the Google search and SEO, SEM. We started with the channel discovery, we started pushing out physical advertising so just of the view that as an online brand that you get a billboard up, it adds a layer of trust. It becomes a bit more tangible, a bit more real because we don't have an office anywhere. Like you're seeing, you can't see my daughter's dollhouse behind me. It's been moved out in the hallway actually, but now I've told everyone. The physical advertising something we've been doing, it's it's something that it's really hard to track or see an obvious change or transformation. And then we've been doing the radio advertising as well, which we did see some spike from, but it's a big cost. But the beauty of these traditional media 
advertising and marketing is this set and forget for a period and then you review later. That's also a downfall, but it's like when we're a small team, uh, booking a bus for 12 months is actually a really affordable scale, way to scale my growth, just adding a bus. But we, we are attaching from that now. Things like Royd Safe, we're putting stickers on needle bins in gyms. We're looking to contact coaches. We are exploring some sort of affiliates, which is really hard with healthcare. But we do know, so we support a lot of sex workers in Australia. 6% of our referrals every month go to sex workers and in the adult industry. And a few of them have just put up sexual health promotions on their page and they've been big drivers of traffic. They weren't even asked to do that. They're just happy customers trying to support their customers. So that's an accidental discovery, but how do we really promote that and get that on board within constraints on healthcare marketing and promotion? I'm not sure. And then still the biggest thing is word of mouth. Like, yeah, and that's that doesn't cost us. There's no customer acquisition cost there. It's just keep doing a good job and fulfilling service. Give it to give away all the secret sauce. Prep Health is we tried all the dating apps for the niche there. It met people at risk of HIV, men who have sex with men and more. And it was we just found Grinder, the biggest dating app. It's just the perfect platform. It's actually a great way to update our customers too, because they're on there more than they're reading our messages and found that channel for each of them at the moment. We're not actively doing anything with this new brand and it's growing 20 to 30% month on month for a year now. Like it's just going, so you don't want to add another channel because you're like, we haven't even dealt with what these people want yet. That just seems to be working. And we're trying to respond and gather data. But like I said, we were four or five people still five months ago. Yeah, before, well, how long ago is May? Yeah, four months ago. We were still four or five people. And we're going to that 15 plus now with contractors and it's probably only now we can start to actually fix the product to the point where we can understand what people actually want. So this week is Sexual Health Awareness Week. Has Stigma Health got or have you got any messages that you'd like to pop out to the audience or what we should know about and be aware about this week? We should be campaigning pretty hard. You should see some messages hopefully and people just like and share and I guess you really want from sexual health awareness week we really want just people having that conversation about sexual health and being sex positive and sharing or telling a friend about services like ours or about just sti testing or talk, talk to your kids talk to your teens about a month back we had a great article with mama mia with dr tanner on when you start you know, just having that conversation with your kids and sexual health awareness week maybe that's the time to do it at home if there's any parents listening we're exploring a number of things, but we haven't got them up in time for this week. But they could be promoting the service for couples because when we start a new relationship, there's that's the perfect time to get an STI test or between relationships, get an STI test. So yeah, Sexual Health Awareness Week is just going to be, we're really just participating for an awareness level now, just trying to be a talking point. So hopefully you'll see some of our antics this week. Yeah, great. And we'll pop a few bits, some links in the show notes. So it's all a little more up to date for our listeners. So lastly, before we wrap up today, I don't know many people that are willing to give their number out to many people at all, but you've given yours to over 30,000 people. Yeah. And not many of them realize it's my personal mobile. Yeah, you got to do things that don't scale. I'm a big fan of that. It's trying to teleport my number to the system for the team to handle for a month or two now. It just keeps slipping down the priorities. I've got to get, go get another number to start with and tell all the family. 
But yeah, 30,000 people have my number and I get calls and messages 24 hours a day, particularly on like a Sunday morning. That's when people want to talk about sexual health. But I don't regret it. I've got some great relationships with some of our patients. Others probably just never realize that it's a personal number. I lose messages to friends all the time though when I get responses to broadcast messages because I message them from my number too. So I'm just like, you get you can get a lot of responses sometimes. Yeah, wow. I can imagine. And the message there, like trying things and doing things that don't scale. And I imagine that this one probably just seemed off the cuff, not necessarily that big of a deal when you were first starting out, but now to have got to 30,000 people have your number. It's wild. It's funny that when we started, I registered like 1-800-STIGMA and spent all the money with Kutosha phone words only for a year and a half later to think that was just a waste of money and time. So I didn't start with my phone number, but yeah, there I would put my number out there. It just was better. Like I just could get that quicker feedback loop you get that responsiveness, provide probably that one-to-one connection with patients that most internet service providers probably can't provide. So I'm gonna, it, it's going to be sad to let it go, but it's not. It's getting to a point where it's not sustainable and it's probably letting the business down, actually. I oh. imagine, though, to start, that would have been such a big part of just breaking down those barriers where you could actually bring someone and talk to someone in a confidential way, get the advice that you need and access a service that was going to ultimately improve your health. It's one way of breaking down those barriers and starting the conversation. Or SMS. They love because people will text anything. They will <laughs> with, with, with asynchronous written word, they're far more like, everyone's more confident, aren't we? Behind yep. the keyboard. Again, I guess still get SMSs all the time, which is still great. So if anyone wants to send me an SMS about this and you have my number. So for all of our listeners, you can <laughs> ping James and let him know that you've listened and you are spreading the word of Sexual Health Awareness Week. Well, James, thanks so much for your time today. It's been really lovely chatting right. and I look forward to chatting again in 12 months' time and seeing what other barriers you've broken down and how much growth you will have experienced again. Thanks, Sophie. It's going to be 12 months ahead, so I'm very excited and I'm excited to follow Talking Health Tech journey as well. So yeah, we'll much. be here. Hopefully I'll meet you in person and it won't take us eight years. Yeah, no, definitely not. <laughs> cool. Hey, thanks for sticking around to the end of this episode. If you made it this far, you're the perfect person that I want to hear from. Our THT Plus audience survey is now open until the end of June and I personally read every submission. In fact, if you leave a comment in the survey that you heard this promotion in a podcast episode, I promise I'll reply directly to you by email with a personal note of thanks, and I'll even buy your coffee next time I see you in person. It's pretty easy. Just go to talkinghealthtech.com slash survey and have your say. For more content and community about technology and healthcare, visit talkinghealthtech.com.